You're listening to the Mindfulpreneur Podcast, where I help entrepreneurs who are in the early stages of building their brands learn how to leverage their brand for business growth. My name's Alyssa Zwanek, and over the last five years, I've supported over 150 businesses build, launch, and grow their brands through my agency, Nomad Creative. My mission is simple. I want to empower people like you to fuel your brand's growth through marketing, branding, and social media initiatives. And I'm going to do that by sharing strategic, actionable steps and the stories of others who have successfully done just that. Join me weekly so I can help you take your brand to the next level. Welcome to the Mindfulpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Alyssa Zwana. Let's get into it. What's up, everyone? This week, we're chatting about going from net worth to self-worth with Atena Morelli, who shares how she uses hypnosis to experience both business success and spiritual growth. If you're anything like me, hypnosis may sound a little weird or scary, but the way Atena breaks it down really gave me a whole new perspective on the concept and how it could help someone like you reach your full potential in life and in your work. Atena uses healing, energy work, and what she calls hypno-coaching to help entrepreneurs learn how to genuinely love themselves unconditionally and embrace external success. So basically finding that balance between both business success and spiritual growth. So if you're struggling with your confidence or you're having trouble believing in your ability to achieve great things, or if you're afraid to make important decisions and take risks, this episode is for you. Also, if you're just curious, like what the heck is hypnosis and how does this tie in to business and success and all the things I'm telling you, it's an interesting concept. So stay tuned guys. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Nomad Creative. Visit nomadcreative.com for all of your marketing, branding, and social media needs. Atena, welcome to the podcast. I'm thrilled to have you. Super excited to learn personally about everything that you do. I think that, you know, working in the field of healing, hypno coaching, and energy work um, is not something that everyone is super familiar with, but I've certainly been curious, maybe even a little bit like, hesitant, unsure. So hopefully you can bring some kind of clarity to what you're doing and how you've been able to support entrepreneurs and women in corporate. So tell us a little bit about, you know, the techniques and strategies and and what you do exactly to support people. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and pleasure to be here. Um, And I completely understand your reservation about hypnosis and energy work. I think before I got into it, I was very hesitant as well. Um, It's always been a part of my life, but in terms of like, you know, being hypnotized and then doing Reiki and all of that, I was like, what is this weird mumbo jumbo stuff? (laughs) Um, Really at the foundation of it, what I help people do is like connect with their hearts, you know, especially with women who are high performers, entrepreneurs, you know, every day you go out and you put yourself out into the world and it gets so easy to receive all of your validation and all of your comfort from external um, external feedback, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, um, I mean, part of the reasons why I got into this is because I was, I was in the corporate world. I was a very high performer, very successful. And there was a moment I had like five panic attacks in one work trip. And I literally wow. told myself, 
don't want to live this way. But I also mm-hmm. notice I'm not unique. Like there are a lot of people who are hyper reactive and they're very successful, but they don't feel good in life. And um, mm. at the end of it, like, you know, hypnosis is really a very natural form of relaxation. People go in and out of hypnosis all the time and they don't even know it. Um, like I can give you an example. If, if ever you drive somewhere and then you're like, wait, how did I get there? Because it's a route you've already mm. taken many times or you're on the train or the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're kind of on like autopilot. You are. And like, you know, sometimes I tell my husband, he's he's, a, he's not against it, but he's also more weary about hypnosis and he'll like open the fridge oh, door. Yeah, he'll open the fridge and he'll look for something and he won't find it. And it's literally right in front of him. And that happens to all of us It's because he's in a state of mm. hypnosis. He's in a very relaxed state or when you're watching TV and someone's talking to you, you don't hear the, you're, you're in that state of hypnosis. You're in a very relaxed, focused, trance kind of state. Interesting. Yeah. You know what? When you say it like that, it sounds a lot less scary. <laughs> not because scary at all. <laughs> I, I know. Okay. Well, so listen, I'm kind of relating this back. So my sister actually hosts a podcast of her own um, where she talks about her journey as a mom. And she recently brought on board someone who helps women through hypnosis overcome their fears with like pregnancy. Um, and I've dealt with like my own reservations and fears with that I've been kind of working through it in more traditional like therapeutic ways and so she's like oh you should go and do it and like immediately my body was like no like I don't want like and I'm open-minded but for whatever reason in my head I was like the concept of hypnotism seemed like I would be like disconnected from myself and not be in control and I think for myself at least and I think a lot of other people anxiety stems from not being in control so like when you say it in that way, you're like, hey, you're actually like in 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 hypnosis many times throughout the day, week, whatever, and you don't even really realize it. So I guess like how do you get how do you get there? How do you get people there? You know, because you're hypno coaching. So I guess coaching through hypnosis, like what does that look like? Okay. So I love that you brought this up because it's ex- hypnosis is exactly the opposite. You actually get okay. very much in contact with who you are at your core, at your essence, right? So, mm. and I want to just stress, like before I tried hypnosis, I had the exact same fears. I was like, oh gosh, yeah. I'm going to let go of control. This guy's going to go in my mind. I'm going to say crazy things. And then I'm going to yeah. be embarrassed. And he's going to program me like a computer to think like, I'm like, gosh, TV does not help. <laughs> like the what we hear on hypnosis on TV doesn't help. But just for anyone out there to know what it's like, when you're going into a state of hypnosis, like what I do is, first of all, we have a good 30 to 45 minute conversation beforehand, not only for us to get to know each other, but to very much determine what's the goal of this session? What's the goal of going into that state of focused relaxation? Because during the day, you have so much stimulation. There's so many thoughts going on. And to separate what is conditioned for you to think and what it is that you actually desire that comes from your heart, which you want to feel safe, to even voice it, to feel safe, to let things go, to change your mindset and your perspective. Like what we do is we put you in a state of relaxation and we go in there and we talk about it and it feels liberating and freeing to actually notice what's actually going on in there, right? So 
I'm like half explaining this good and half not. This is this my <laughs> fears of when I'm sick the way I talk if I don't make sense. Um, I had once someone say it really well. When you are in therapy, for instance, okay, which I did many years mm-hmm. of therapy myself, some of my best clients have done a lot of therapy before they come to see me, right? You are talking about the problem most of the time at the same brainwave level that the problem was created, right? Mm -hmm. Or the same way it's experienced. And when you go into hypnosis, what you're doing is that you're relaxing the critical factor of your mind, the one that puts alarm bells, the one that stops you from stops you from getting hurt, but also stops you from actually expressing your emotions at times, right? All your emotions are inside your subconscious. They're all beyond that layer. So when you go into that focused state of relaxation and you know what it is that you want to discuss, what it is that you want to let go, it feels safer Mm. for you to actually take in the new information or to express what it is that you want to let go. Does that make sense the way I'm explaining it? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's true because like if you think about it, if ever you're in a, a stressful situation or in an argument and you're heated, for example, it's always good to kind of remove yourself, give yourself time to come down from that so you're not being reactive. And like you said, it's almost like because I, I do feel that, you know, when you are in therapy and you are kind of retelling these stories, you almost don't want to go there because you're like frustrated to have to refeel all of those things. And I get that it's important to feel those things, but then it kind of gets to a point where it's like, man, like how can we move past this so that I'm not always so triggered and it's not always the exact same feeling that comes up, you know? So by kind of approaching it from a different perspective, I can see how that might give myself or anyone doing this more clarity, right? Honest on the particular situation. So I mean, I was thinking, you know, specifically with like the whole pregnancy thing, because that was, you know, what I was dealing with. But, you know, if we bring it back to business and, you know, entrepreneurs and all of these crazy things that we have to deal with on a regular basis, these high stressors, like how do you implement this for entrepreneurs specifically? Well, I can best describe it maybe through an example, like a lot of high performers, a lot of business owners confuse their sense of worthiness as a person with their net worth or their skill skill in the market right and there is definitely um there's a value when you are when you have certain skills and a net worth that you create and and the work that you produce but if you are constantly responding on an emotional level to that and you are very easily triggered by rejection failure um constructive feedback or criticism or you know sometimes people on the online space are straight up crazy they'll say shit to you (laughs) you know and it can be very nerve-wracking especially if you get all your worthiness from the outcome produced of what you do so Mm -hmm. one of the biggest things I do with uh, pretty much all my clients is that we separate that we establish a sense of worthiness, a remembrance in within your mind and body that you are worthy as a human being simply for being not for what you're doing. And when you feel worthy and you, you, like all of us are, we forget at some point, right? When we remember that we're worthy simply for being and we feel grounded, suddenly when there is this fluctuation in our business or there's a different um, response given by our audience or we haven't performed as we want to and or our net worth takes a dip, when you stop being so reactive to that, your nervous system feels calmer 
you nurture your nervous system, your thought patterns aren't spiraling every single day with every single little thing that comes, then you get to actually live your life. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you get to do the thing, you get to fail forward, you get to feel at ease. You know, one of the biggest feedbacks I get from my clients is inner peace. You cannot Mm. buy inner peace. Inner peace is an inside job. And one of the biggest fears I've noticed, um, and I had this with one of my clients, such a special soul, and she was afraid to feel worthy. She's like, but if I feel worthy just for being, I might become really lazy. And that's another programming fear that's thrown out there. Mm. And I said, but why? Do you not trust yourself? Do you not trust that this is what you want to do? And you won't know. You know what, though? I can kind of relate to that. And I, I, I kind of resonate with the whole like concept of laziness. Like, so I've been building my business. It's almost six years now. And the first five, four and a half, let's say years were amazing. Every year we were growing year after year. And then the last two years were a little bit more on like the same level. But I also recognize that like there were different changes that happened within the business, but I'm talking about like growth monetarily, right? So like attaching to that aspect, which isn't the healthiest thing to do because there are so other elements of growth that have happened within the business and within myself. But when it comes to like the laziness thing, I felt especially last summer, like not this one, but the one before, um, I got to a point where I was so comfortable within like my business and what I was making that I removed myself so much that things started going south because I was like, in my mind, lazy and not doing as much as I could and not, you know, being as involved with my team as I could have and really just enjoying the fact that I could relax and I could travel and I could sit outside and, and, you know, be lazy. Um, And so there was like a part of me that was like, you deserve this, enjoy it, take it in. And then the other part was like, what are you doing? (laughs) You know, like get, get your shit together. Like stop being so lazy. Like you should still do something within your business. So it's like this fighting force that like, you know, and, and it's finding the balance between the two. It's like, how can you still, I don't know, be kind of present and appreciate all of those things within your business while you're working on it. But then also when you're removed, you can be very like present in that removal. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, like I see this as two parts. The one part is when you feel worthy, like you will still have your drive. And I think that's one point Mm. I want everyone to know. It's when you separate your net worth from your sense of self-worth, you will feel you will still want to do the things, right? So I think that was like that part with with when I was working with her and with some clients is like, you're going to feel worthy and you might have a moment where you're going to want to do less because suddenly the drive is not going to come out of the hustle or the need to prove yourself to the world that, hey, yeah. look at me, I'm this badass that can do this and that. Suddenly, mm-hmm. especially as women, it's going to turn into a work of devotion. It's the work of that you are really contributing to the world as a part of your soul's mission, right? And I think that the part of that I heard in you is that a lot of times, you know, what's the goal of creating the business? You want freedom. You want to do something that's fulfilling. You want to do something that feels worthwhile of your time and you're really giving back, right? You're in service, whatever it is that you do, right? So Mm -hmm. you hit the fulfillment, hitting the service. It's the freedom part though. A lot of times people don't realize that 
working a lot, having a big team that reduces your level of freedom to a certain extent, right? And so you get to this point where you're told by society, you got to keep going. If you're not growing, you're dying. If you're not, if your business isn't growing, that's the end of you. There you go. You're worth, you're not worthy, whatever that story Mm. is. And it could be that you literally got to this place like, hey, I want, I'm in a different season of my life. And I relate to what you're saying, by the way, because I went, yeah. I'm kind of going through it in my own way right now. Yeah. I just like, kind of like, well, what, what's going on here? Um, mm-hmm. But I, I see it as seasons also in life, right? Like you may be in a season where you, you're, you're like, I just don't want to work as much. It doesn't mean I'm lazy. It just means that I want to enjoy my life in a different way. And that's true freedom. That's the definition of freedom. And we all want that in a way or another, but it's, sometimes it's a little uncomfortable and society will tell you, no, you're lazy. You don't know what you're doing. You got to keep hustling. You got to keep pushing. <laughs> right? Yeah, definitely. I feel like I, um, I kind of like jump from one end to the other often, you know, it's either like I'm full focus mode or I'm so disconnected and like lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it, I feel like I've always been like good at saying like I have a good work-life balance in the sense that, you know, at the end of the day, I disconnect. I don't necessarily worry about what's going on within my company. But this last year has just been so crazy for me. There's just been so many moving pieces. And like, I never thought I would say this, but like the economy actually is somewhat affecting my business for the first time because like during COVID everyone was like, oh my God, the economy. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, everything's fine. Like I didn't notice it then, but I guess, um, I don't know, like you said, things go up and down. And I think because I was going up for so long, now that there's like a little bit more of like stagnation and like maybe a bit of a decline, I'm like, what's wrong? But you're right. It's like, it's not that necessarily anything is wrong. It's just that things are different and that's okay. And maybe I'm in a different season in life. And I'm sure a lot of other entrepreneurs and, you know, people who are incorporated in these higher positions who, you know, have a lot of pressure to perform, um, feel this way too. Yeah. Well, we definitely have an addiction as a society. I find to adrenaline, to the rush Mm, of growth and, you know, I was watching, I think, a YouTube video yesterday was saying that even our Instagram is designed for us to be addictive to the likes and reality TV shows. Like you're going always in that suspense and stuff. So I think that that's just a global um, predicament that we're in. One of the things I love to ask myself and even to clients is, what does this season of life, what is the season of life offering me? Like sometimes, mm. you know, I'm, I don't know, I'm not religious particularly, but I do believe in God. I do believe in higher powers. I ask myself, like when things are slowing down or I'm forced to slow down because I'm sick or something's going on, what is God asking me? What am I meant mm-hmm. to be doing in this moment? What is the season that I'm in? And I, you know, I relate to what you're saying because I love to work. I love to like, you know, I love to dive into things. I don't even believe in balance, to be honest. I think, especially as an entrepreneur, like you might not see me for three days. I'll look like a werewolf. (laughs) I'm out and then I won't work for like, you know, two days. So I, I don't necessarily believe in balance in this season of my life. I definitely, you know, I'm being asked to embrace balance. I'm traveling Europe. Um, my husband and I were, were traveling through Europe. And so building momentum in your business as you're traveling is particularly challenging. And I want to enjoy my business. Yeah. I don't want to be hustling and yeah. grinding behind the computer. So yeah, there's like that surrender factor that comes in. And 
and an opening also as well to be like, okay, well, what is this season of my life about? What are the choices that I get to make every single day? And what could, how can I, you know, it sounds cheesy to say, but how can I romanticize the phase of my life that I'm currently in? Yeah, definitely. No, you're totally right. I agree with everything. It's like, it's a nice reminder, you know, because you feel like you kind of know these things are all there in the back of your mind. But then when you have these types of conversations, it's like, thank you. (laughs) You know, it's like, I needed to hear that. (laughs) Um, I'm sure a lot of people are resonating with that too. Um, So we, we spoke a little bit about, I guess, it, it, it has to do, I think, coming down to like trusting yourself, right? And having that confidence within yourself to be able to, whether it's like find that balance or not. I'm, I'm curious to hear your perspective actually a little bit more on like balance. You're saying like, I don't believe in balance. So when everyone is talking about this concept of like work-life balance, like where do you sit there? And when you say you don't believe in it, what does that look like to you to make sure that like you don't go crazy? <laughs> That's a good question. Usually my husband comes in and is like, are you quite all right there? Let me pull you yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm very passionate. I'm a very passionate woman. I've always been, I love what I do. Um, the reason why I switched my career after a decade of spending it is because I was like, I'm passionate. I just don't feel fulfillment. So I get a lot of fulfillment through the work that I do. And that's part of who I am. So I've, I've embraced that. I've made my peace with that. Um, when I say that I don't believe in work-life balance is that I, I want to say I believe in being present. So Mm -hmm. I make it a priority every single day, for instance, to put my phone on airplane mode, to spend time with my family, to sit and eat and be there and enjoy the environment that I'm in, enjoy the days. So that I do every single day. Um, But when I say I don't believe in balance is that like, if I'm inspired and I have an idea and I want to execute on that idea and it's like, it's there. Like I was the same in university. Like I look like a crazy a person with my hair all over the place, like <laughs> writing a paper, like I'm going to go and I get the rush. And, and then there are times I'm just not as inspired. So I'll do what I'm meant to do, right? If I have a meeting, I'll show up to my meeting. If I have a client, I'll show up for my client. But if I'm like, there's nothing in me, I'm going to give myself the time to rest. And I've noticed that that works best for me. Um, the yeah. reason why I left my nine to five type of job is because that's not what I want to be doing. That's not the life I want to live. And like, especially for women to, you know, I sync my business with my cycle. So when I'm on my feet or I'm on my moon, it's literally not the time that I want to like come online, like, and do a bunch of stuff. Like I will spend three days basically just relaxing and, and writing my notes and, and meditating and just being. So then when I have, when I'm ovulating, like I'm like that crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> for 20 hours in the day creating it, you know so that's but you know arguably like that there is balance in that maybe not in the traditional sense of like being having a nine-to-five and turning off your computer at the end of the day and whatever and but you are still it's not like you don't have that time to yourself because you are listening to your body and I feel like it almost sounds like the balance that you believe in comes from how you feel like your body and what your body is telling you. So that's, I feel like a great lesson because I actually would agree with you because I'm the same way. You know, sometimes I am, you know, working later because I'm inspired because I'm excited or other times where I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to take a few days because like, I feel like this is what I need or this is what I want, you know? And the fact that we could do that as entrepreneurs is a blessing in and of itself. And so that I feel in a way is, 
is our own way of balancing things out, right? Because we're not leaning one way or another. And in different seasons, maybe you are, but at the end of the day, it all kind of evens out, right? As long as I think you're okay, like mentally and spiritually and emotionally within all of that, all of those changing seasons, I think that is almost the perfect balance. Yeah, that's a great thing. Um, okay, so let's go back. I was kind of starting to, st- to ask this question before and then uh, we drifted. But for someone who might be struggling with, you know, their confidence or having trouble believing in themselves, um, what is something that you you can teach or a tool that you provide in order to help build that confidence? So the first thing is to raise conscious awareness of what are the reasons, quote unquote, the thoughts that are going to say that why you aren't confident. So confidence, for instance, there's two components, right? There's the competence. So if I've never done something, I might lack some confidence because I don't have the Mm -hmm. competency to do it. So maybe that's going to require me to learn a skill. Maybe that's going to require me to put in the hours. Maybe that's going to require me to actually get up and do the things. And that's the only way the confidence is going to come. I equate actual confidence to having the focus capacity to do the things you want to be doing. For me, that's the ultimate confidence. If I have the audacity to focus in this life on what I truly want to be focusing on versus what I've been told to do, right? Mm -hmm. Your confidence level. So one of the things that um, I do with, with, again, with every client in the sense, we say, what is it that you actually want to do in your future? Like this might sound very morbid, but to take a moment And remember, you will die one day. Mm -hmm. At the end of your life, how do you want to be remembered? I get sometimes my clients to write their own eulogy. Like, wow. Yeah. I'm like, and I have a free meditation on my YouTube channel for anyone who wants to go down that rabbit hole because that will literally change your life. Like, Like, write it out. And when you know that that's where you want to go, now reel it back in. When you wake up every day in every way, what are the thoughts that you're choosing to have? What are the things that you're doing? And so a lot of times we'll say, okay, well, I choose my thoughts. You may or you may not be choosing your thoughts. You need to have a conscious awareness of what are the thoughts that are circulating in your mind and you're feeding every single day. So first we place all of the negative and positive thoughts in a corner, in a place. The negative thoughts, we begin to deconstruct them. Where do they come from? Nobody really chooses to have a negative. Like, I, I actually posted. Yeah, you don't want them. Oh, yeah, I posted a reel about this yesterday because someone said on a podcast, like, do you believe that you want your negative, like, that you have negative thoughts? Like, it's like if you believe that you have them, no one will choose them. They're put into you either by society or through your own programming as a child, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. a lot of times it will require us to do a level of inner child healing. Right. So inner child healing for anyone who doesn't know, it's literally reconnecting with your five, six, seven year old self. When you're born, you are a sponge. You are absorbing Mm. everything in your environment and you're living primarily in your ego. So no matter what happens, you're making associations about who you are. And then by the age of seven, you have that critical factor that we spoke about that's created. So everything that happens before that age of seven stays stuck in there and you are now filtering reality you are deleting distorting and generalizing information to validate who you think you are at your five-year-old self most of the time 
So we are going to relax your nervous system, relax your body, relax your mind. You're going to go meet your inner child. You're going to hug him. You're going to hug her. You're going to let her know that you're there for her, him throughout this whole life. You're going to remind them that they're loved unconditionally, that you got their back. More often than not, you'll be surprised by how much just that simple activity makes people shed a million pounds of energetic Mm. weight that they've been carrying. And as you shed that weight, as you remove that invisible bag of blocks you've been carrying, suddenly you are calm and focused. You're calm and focused. And because you know how you want to be remembered at the end of your life, you're starting to understand, let me, I experience certain thoughts. I don't have to give this thought an attention. I don't have to give it momentum, but I'm not spiritually bypassing it anymore because I don't identify with it. So now I'm going to mm-hmm. choose what I think. I'm going to choose the actions that I'm going to take. And slowly but surely, everything around your life that doesn't, that doesn't give you value, it starts to melt away. And you begin to give your focused attention to what actually fuels you as a being, as, 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 as a human on this earth in this moment in time. And that is a confidence that I just want to stress, no amount of money, success, will ever give you you can only give yourself that and literally look at any super successful famous person who experienced death by suicide Mm. just just to give you an idea Mm -hmm. this is the kind of work that I do and I am super passionate about it and and I believe that every single person can achieve it all it requires from you is a willingness to just temporarily slow down not necessarily slow down in business and growth, but slow down with your emotions and just take a look inside. And it can feel scary. It can feel like a lot. But what I realized over time, it's actually a lot scarier to suppress and pretend that that's not there and to drink your life away, you know, self-numb yourself a lot, which a lot of people do. And I used to do it myself. That's how I know Mm -hmm. people do it. No, I I can, I can relate too. like, sometimes you just want to kind of escape. And then you realize you you almost get into this really nasty habit, you know, of like disconnecting, because like, you don't want to face what's in front of you. But little do you know, is that like, once you do, like, there is light at the end of the tunnel, you know? Yeah, well, the thing is that we're not this is the crazy thing. We're not taught how to process our emotions. We think that it's an innate thing, but like nowhere in university or in grade school or in secondary school were we taught, hey, you, this is how you process a breakup. This is how you remember to love yourself. This is what an emotion feels like. This is what feelings are like right? Mm -hmm. And so we're thrown into this pit of life. And then it's like, you got to make money, you got to sustain, you got to do this, you got to do that. Like, for me, it actually makes no sense that we don't take a pause even for one year in our 30s, for instance, to reintegrate back into life. And then on top of it, we're, we're, we're told to shut down certain things, like you're not allowed to feel jealous. Oh, only bad people feel jealous. Don't get angry. Angry is nasty. You get shamed for things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, when I was like starting to figure out this isn't what I want to do, I started seeing a lot of women who were living a life I wanted and I started to feel really jealous. And what's the first thing I did? Mm. I shut it down. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm a, I'm a good person. I don't get jealous. But it's okay. like I had an emotion come up. My yeah. 
first response was to shut that shit down. And it's like, so like, what would be a more appropriate response for someone who might be in that same situation? Like, let's say, you know, I would say I would almost like to see you break down like two different scenarios. So one, you know, let's say you're an entrepreneur or a small business and you're seeing someone else succeed and achieve this different, this level of success that you wish you were to achieve. You've tried everything. You've put so much time and energy and money and resources. And like, for whatever reason, it's just not working. It's so easy to get discouraged. It's so easy to get overwhelmed. And, you know, you're looking at this. It could even be an acquaintance, a friend of yours where you're like, man, like I'm jealous. Like how come they got it's so good. How come I can't be like them or have what they have? You know, like how does one go about processing those types of emotions? Yeah, well, the this is like a just a knee-jerk response that I have to mention. Yes. First of all, you have no idea if they're actually that successful. Mm-hmm. People, even people that are close to you can put up the biggest front. You are the only person who Fair. lives within yourself. I have no idea how they're thinking and they're feeling and they're being behind closed doors and even within themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. I just want to like put it out there because I think this whole Instagram online, um, it's created the comparison, comparison, like, and and I feel it too. Like every now and then I have to catch myself like, whoop, 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 (laughs) right? Um, What I would do in every single situation is reel it back into your unique individualism on this earth. You are here going through your own timeline, serving a purpose for your your unique self, right? You have, no one has the same footprint as you. No one has the same thumbprint. No one thinks the same way as you. And then that's like the energetic factor, the emotional factor, right? And the second, the the other part is kind of more related to to the initial like warning sign of you have no idea what they do. You might just not be doing the right things. Right. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> are, well, like if I'm working, okay. If I'm sitting here, I don't have kids. Um, I, um, I'm like, I've got all this energy. I, I have all this, um, family money and I'm like creating shit. I have a team. Um, like it, it will not serve you to compare yourself to me. If you have five kids with no money on the side, like you can't do that to yourself. Right. We are all different in that sense. And so I always want to bring it back into what can I learn from that situation? What did that person potentially do that I haven't done? Right. Yeah. So like I do like just a disclaimer, I definitely compare myself on YouTube. Like I've been on the platform for like four years. I have, I love you all. I have a thousand subscribers, but I'm like, where are my 500,000 subscribers? This time? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I literally like, I'm going to call myself out. And you know, I hired a mentor and he really helped me reel it back in. And I realized like, Hey, I haven't been consistent. My thumbnails are all over the place. Some, and then he started to show me like, you know, the way you start your videos, you don't really dive into it. He's like, you spend two minutes just talking about life. And so sometimes there's just like also learning that you might be just doing the wrong things. It's, it's a multiple, mm-hmm. it's multi-layered. But I would say in this era of comparison, put your blinders on in the sense that you are living your life. Learn from others, like techniques. But after that, like you are living your life, like no one, no one is living your life, but you, you spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week until from the beginning of your life to the end of the life with yourself, romanticize your life because you're worthy of that. Like the moment you do that also, you just feel better and your creativity is going to start flowing in a complete different way. 
And I know what I'm saying sounds like maybe you heard it before, but that's also where the hypno coaching would be very exceptionally powerful because we're going mm -hmm. to release all of that comparison and bring your confidence back to focusing on what truly matters to you every single day in every way, one step at a time. So is it through the hypno coaching that you're helping people process those emotions? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Like it could also be like just releasing other people's energies. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, is there, is there anything that let's say, let's say I could do, or someone who's feeling stressed in a certain situation or reactive or has all of these emotions come up, what, what can they do or we do to process those on our own? What's like one technique we can maybe try and apply? Okay. So I would say on your own, if, if there's like, I haven't spoken about this, but there's one thing I want everyone to do on your own is learn to utilize your breath. It's free mm -hmm. to breathe. Your breath is the first point of stillness that enters your body. Like you would be surprised by just if something triggers you step away from it for a moment, like go for a walk, close your computer, press pause on the conversation and go breathe. Like breathing in for a count of four, hold it for a count of four, exhale for a count of four. Do that in cycles for a minute, two minutes, three minutes. You will automatically feel your nervous system calming down. I actually do this like five times a day for no reason, just to have taught my nervous system, hey, this is what calmness feels like. So yeah. you don't have to wait to be triggered. I just want to say that and, and stress that. Yeah. So when you, as you've done that, I want you to just write down what is the thought that crossed your mind? What is the thing that triggered you? And take a moment and let yourself feel it, right? Emotions last like about 90 seconds in the body. They're like a chemical re response. You'll feel yourself tingling. You'll feel yourself sweating. But a feeling can last for a very long time until you nip it in the bud, right? If you, but mm -hmm. if you process it properly, it should take about 20 minutes. Feel it. Move your body. You're feeling shitty? Okay, I feel shitty. I feel shitty. <laughs> Move it. Move your yeah, body. Yeah. Don't let your body Move stay your body. stagnant. Like, say it. And then... When your body, like, literally imagine that your five-year-old self is having a tantrum, like, mm. nurture yourself in that sense. Let, let them, let them, like, let yourself scream, let yourself cry, let yourself feel it. Once it's dissipated or you feel like there's a little bit of distance, notice that whatever you chose to perceive is just one perception. How you perceive is it is based on how you've been programmed to perceive. There are a million other ways to perceive any single situation. And one of the things I, I, I heard once, and I love it, it's like, can you prove in a court of law that that's the ultimate truth, what you're choosing to believe? No. 99.9% .9 of the time, it's not true. There are other yeah. thoughts that you can have. What's a better feeling thought that you can choose? Or better, better yet, Imagine your 80, 90, 100-year-old self, that version of you that you are reading that eulogy from. What would that version of you say to this, to this one moment in life? And there was, a, there was another saying, it's like, if, if it's not going to matter in five years, don't give it more than five minutes of your thoughts. So you felt it. Okay, I felt it. All right, time to move on. But if it's something that you're noticing is coming back and coming back, coming back, then I would say that 
while it's no one's job to live your life, like you can, you're the only one that can live your life, right? I'm the only one that can live my life. Um, you're not meant to go through things alone. You're not meant to walk home alone, as Ram Das would say. So however capacity that you can find some support, whether that's joining a group, whether that's having a nice friend, whether that's getting a therapist, a hypnotherapist, get some support to um, allow yourself to see past it. Because some of these things can be very deeply rooted. And when Mm -hmm. it's very deeply rooted, we have a very hard time. If, If not, it's almost impossible for us to see all of our own shit. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm like deep in thought right now. <laughs> that process though, because that process yes. works. <laughs> it's like- yeah, yeah, it is. It's just making me think of like certain things in my life and like the, the reoccurring stories and emotions that kind of come up due to past traumas and how, you know, it's like a trickle effect. It's like something happens and it triggers X, Y, and Z. And, you know, it's just this constant story. And a lot of it kind of comes down to like, like why why me why did this happen to me I'm not good enough kind of thing um the whole like being accepted by people is a big narrative that I think comes up for many um yeah I'm you know what we might book a session (laughs) why not and like the the part of self-acceptance by the way it's it's huge it's huge and it's like so many people go through this and it's a Mm -hmm. lot about learning to love ourselves unconditionally, learning to accept ourselves unconditionally. And this comes back to, again, like what I spoke about with, with earlier about worthiness. A lot of times we have a hard time accepting where we are at with love and choosing growth. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like we, we feel like we can't, I can't accept this. Like it, I can be upset about my weight. I can say, hey, I really, this sucks. I really need to lose these 20 pounds. Like I, or release it. I like to say, I really need to release these 20 pounds. But I can also love myself at the same time. I can I can't hate myself into a feeling better. I can only love myself mm. to it, right? What about what about the like external voices? Because I know that you mentioned you know kind of dealing with ex- external people weighing in, giving their opinions. I've felt that too. Maybe being you know like judged or people starting to like show signs of like jealousy or whatever because of you know certain accomplishments and it's like you're trying to just like be yourself and you're you're always putting your your values first and being authentic and but for some people they just like get uncomfortable in your presence because of your your bigness you know and as humble as you can be, sometimes it just like doesn't sit with people. And it goes back to like wanting to be accepted by everyone. So like, what would you say to someone who's in that situation who is, you know, achieving greatness in whatever form or fashion, and they're getting, you know, pushback, or they're feeling, you know, those feelings of judgment from others, it could even be in their close circle, could be their family, could be their close friends, or it could be complete strangers online. Like, what would you say to someone who's, who's feeling those things from others? Well, first, it happens to absolutely every single person who puts themselves out there. Um, Bernie yeah. Brown once put it really well. It's like as the when you get actually in the ring, like, and I picture it like a boxing ring. It's like you and the other fighters, and then there's all the crowd that's making this noise, and mm. it's gonna hurt you at first. But at some point, you're gonna be like, "But you're not in the ring with me." So, not that right. your opinion is obsolete, but like, why would I ever take advice from someone who's not even choosing? to do the things that I choose to do, right? So like, I will never take advice from 
someone who's an emotional wreck on what it means to love themselves. And it's not Mm -hmm. to put them down. I'm like, but who are you to say this to me? Right. Um, And I think that there's also a distinction when it's your close friends and when it's your family, that's probably the most challenging. Um, I know that for, for me, my family now is very accepting and loving of what I do. And I feel very blessed about that. But at the same time, it took me a long time to like release the need for their approval. And as humans, the one thing that we have in common is the need to be accepted, right? Mm-hmm. Especially by our family. One of the reasons why so many people have a challenging time surpassing their parents or other people in their family when it comes to their success or how much they show up, show up online is because we have at the core in the back end of our head, um, inside of our brain, actually our reptilian brain, it's the unconscious family loyalty. So unconsciously, we all have this herd mentality that in order for me to live and survive, I have to conform to you and to what you do. And so I always tell, like, when I work with parents, you want to help your children be unapologetically happy, do everything you need to do to be happy because you will set them unconsciously free. So when you feel these things, it's really easy to put it onto other people to say, well, she sucks. <laughs> like, how dare she? She needs to get on board. And sometimes it might happen that you do need to change certain friends. You may need to just not divulge all the information to every single member of your family about every single little thing you do. So sometimes it's just about right. having that basic protection. But mm-hmm. after that, I and this and I don't, I don't want to make sure that I'm not like gaslighting anyone because I, I want to say that it's really it can be very challenging and, and especially crippling at times. But to also take it upon yourself to say, okay, this is also if this is being triggered inside me, potentially there's a part of me that also believes that. And what am I meant to do to release that? Because mm-hmm. you judge me for something and I subconsciously or unconsciously subscribe to it, I will naturally get very angry with you, I'll get very upset with you, and I'll project back onto you and tell you you need to change. But no one has that power over me. I'm the only one who has the power to feel what I feel. Like I I could come here and I could tell everyone to go F themselves. <laughs> some people are gonna get upset, some people are not what's the difference? It's their choice of how they feel. Does that mean I should go online and tell everyone to go F themselves? No. And I find it very triggering when there are certain creators who do things like that. I'm like, that's so unnecessary. (laughs) Right. But we can also take it as an opportunity of what is it that I'm meant to transcend? How can I make myself um, stronger and I have this concept that I call the opposite of thick skin. And it's not about being thin skinned, but it's about I'm going to be so emotionally strong and resilient that you could literally shoot a bullet at me and I will, it will, it will go right through me in the sense that I'm not going to hang on to it for you. You have hate, you have anger. I'm not going to be your punching bag. And at the same time, if I feel hurt by it, it's my job and my job only to release it. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah, I'm almost wondering, though, like, if there's a way to decipher, because I think that sometimes people will come to you and there's a time where you can like listen and apply and and really, you know, maybe there is something that could be like changed. And then other moments where it's like people are just like talking to talk and it shouldn't necessarily be something we pay attention to. And it's more 
um, a reflection of what they're going through and what they need to work on and not like you or me. Um, so like, is there, how would you, like, is there a way to really kind of decipher what's what? Cause I feel like sometimes it's a blur. It's like, you're, I feel like people's initial reactions are to be like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, or to apologize and to kind of correct themselves when someone comes to you with an issue, for instance, um, when really it could just be a reflection of something that they're going through that they're coming to you for. And that's not necessarily your problem. Like, how do we differentiate that? I love that question because it's so relevant. Like, it, you know, like, for, let's use like a very basic example. You're a spiritual person, you're a spiritual healer online, and you decide to get a boob job, right? It's like, it's your okay. personal yeah. choice. Some people are going to be so mad at you. Like, what? You are transforming God's body. So like, there are literally some certain categories of things that you will say and do. It's just your way of being that you're going to piss people off and you're going to trigger people Mm. right Mm -hmm. I think that when it comes to when to decipher it's like first of all to know that no matter what you do living and breathing in the public eye um, or even like around people that are close to you you, you're going to trigger people no matter what you do you can't there's just no avoiding it so but to know is it my ego showing up here this is where I would say like, okay, if you said something or you did something, if I, if I got a boob job and I told everybody, all of you go F yourselves, did I really need to say that second part? Right. Mm-hmm. Taking a moment for yourself, like placing some boundaries. And I always tell people when I said boundaries, it's not to hurt you. It's to give myself the, pro- the proper space to process how I'm feeling. To give a moment and to have some distance and reflection. You don't need to figure it out right away. And to ask yourself, when I expressed this, was this genuine and authentic? And it's hard sometimes to know. And, and you will make mistakes, yeah. right? You will say the wrong yeah. things. You will grow and, and whatnot. And this is where I find just knowing that you can take that moment in that space and, and asking yourself those questions. Like, if I died tomorrow, would I be proud of the words that came out of my mouth? Is that how I wanted to express myself? And if it's mm-hmm. anything short of, yes, then, then is you got to take that moment and reflect. Right. It's almost like what's coming to me is intention. Mm-hmm. It's like if your intentions were pure and then, you know, that I, I think that's, that's the best that you can really do, right? There's only so much you can control. So much is out of our control. And I think your intention is one of those things that like if you have pure intentions and if you act responsibly and speak responsibly and from the heart and you're speaking your truth and you feel like whatever is coming out of your mouth and whatever you're doing in the world is in line with like what feels good to you, then there's nothing really to be apologetic for. I mean, you can always look back and reflect and do things better. But if your intentions were pure, I feel like there's a lot more forgiveness that can happen from others and from yourself to yourself to kind of move past that. Definitely. And I I would add also like, it helps to have like, I don't know why the word guardian counsel comes coming in. (laughs) I'm watching too much news, but like a council (laughs) of humans that you trust right yeah so there are a handful of humans that like my husband for instance he's someone I very much trust he has a high level of emotional intelligence and sometimes I'm not ready to hear what he has to say and he'll say something like "Mm, that was a little like off-center antenna or something and and I'll be like what (laughs) how dare you yeah yeah and then I'll throw a tantrum (laughs) and then like three hours later I'm like hmm Okay, he had a point. Then it's about letting your ego go, 
because your ego wants to hang on, wants to feel righteous. But like, if I know I can trust him and I know his best intentions are for me to be happy, then I also can very openly and safely witness my ego with Mm -hmm. him that I wouldn't with some random stranger on the internet or like even maybe my own parents that while they do love me, we have different intentions about what it means for me to be happy kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's almost like having that second opinion. I, I feel the same way about my husband too. Like I think he's very level-headed and you brought up emotional intelligence, which like, I agree, like he's, he's in the same boat. Like he has such a strong level of emotional intelligence. I feel like he has a, he does a better job at reading the room sometimes that I do. Um, mostly because like, if I'm, if I'm paying attention, I can read a room, but sometimes you're just like heated or in over your head or reactive. And then, you know, things get out of control. Not that I'm like a crazy person or anything, but like, sometimes you say things you don't mean. And like, he he'll be the one to like, call me out on it. Or, you know, if something happened where he wasn't involved, I'll kind of like replay a situation and be like, am I in the wrong here? Like, I feel like I'm not, but this person is saying that I am. And just to try and get clarity from a different perspective from someone who is not afraid to call me out. If something is off, you know, which is really cool. So kind of reeling it back to emotional intelligence. I know that you've emphasized the importance of emotional intelligence in terms of, you know, self love um, and how that can really, really help individuals in, in business, entrepreneurship, positions of leadership. So what exactly is emotional intelligence in your words and how can that be helpful for someone to develop in those um, positions? Okay, so we can get really fancy, but um, I would say emotional intelligence in the most basic method that I would like teach and preach it is having the capacity to process your emotions and to not make your emotions fact, to not make um, judgment calls on who you are based on your emotions. Emotions are something that you are meant to experience. They are meant to Mm -hmm. be a guide. Anger, for instance, is an emotion that most people run away from, that they are petrified of feeling. But anger is literally like a roadmap to what you need to pay attention to, similar to how you would touch a stove and it would burn your hand. You would feel the pain. Anger is the exact same thing. And, you know, earlier, just a moment ago, you mentioned right or wrong. I think we got to get to this place where we don't make our emotions right or wrong. Your emotions are valid no matter what they are. And the emotional intelligence is making sure that you have a safe space for you to process them and to respond to them instead of constantly reacting to, to your emotions being triggered. So that's, that's the best. That's the essence of emotional intelligence. And the more you make it a habit to process your emotions, to nurture your body, your sense of self and your being, the less triggered you will be by nature of certain things and the stronger, the more emotional resilience you will have. So you, you mentioned kind of this connection between loving yourself while also at the same time being able to achieve this external success. So what, what does that look like for someone, you know, in theory, this all makes sense, but everyone's probably like, okay, I can do all these things, but then how does that translate? How does that equate? Like what's, what's the equation kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So what it looks like is let's say, um, you have a launch. Okay. It failed. You've technically failed, like nobody signed up or people weren't interested. Your emotions are going to potentially get the best of you. 
it's going you're not going to feel good and then your feelings are going to be all like oh my gosh you're going to go down this paradigm of i suck and and then you're going to make it mean this whole thing about who you are and mm. so what this would look like when you have the emotional intelligence or you're working through the emotions okay is wow that really sucked i feel hurt i feel upset i feel angry you you process that but nevertheless i love and accept myself and i'm going to give myself the time to like lick my wounds <laughs> and look at what i did right or wrong in a technical way and i'm going to love myself to and i'm going to continue to do better instead of kicking myself in the face saying you suck and you better do better if not um i'm not going to give you a hug anymore and i'm not going to pay attention to any of your needs so that's that's literally what it is does that mm. like that yeah yeah definitely and I like to connect this back to one of my experiences. This is this past year. I've honestly like, I feel like I've just like gone through it. Like so many hiccups had happened with my business and I'm like over it. I'm like 2024, please come. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so for the first time this year, I actually decided to invest back into my company, a significant chunk of money, like thousands of dollars for months going into a, an agency and another agency that I trusted would bring forth their expertise in order to basically bring in more business. Like my goal is to scale the company. Um, I had never reinvested back into the company. So I invested in them to be able to build out um, email funnels to pay for Google ads and all of this stuff. And in theory, I was like, okay, this is great. Like, even if we were to sign like one really good big client, it would probably pay off this investment. Months go on, thousands of dollars are being spent and nothing worked. And part of it had to do with the fact that I was very kind of like standoffish and allowed them to do their thing because I was just trusting that they would do a good job. So I wasn't maybe being as attentive or hovering because I didn't think I would have to. But I feel like that was kind of part of the problem. Nonetheless, you know, six, almost six months go by, I don't get these results. So I end up, you know, firing them and choosing to move on. But at the end of the day, I lost thousands of dollars within my company. And this was like my first time really taking a big risk like this too. So it's like so much frustration and anger and, you know, all of the things, but I had to kind of be like, hey, well, you know, I can only be angry for so long. Like, what good is that going to do me? So I had to take a step back and be like, all right, like, what did I learn from this? And how would I do things differently if I were to do something like this again? And by seeing all the things that didn't work, I feel like I can rule those things out. And if we were to do them again, we would do them in a completely different way. It just sucks that I had to go through that and lose all that money to get to the point where I like had all of these learnings because I then went in and did more research and consulted more people. People and basically did more of my due diligence than I did the first time around. Um, and I think that was just like my like full blind trust in a company that I had never worked for with before. Um, and, and, you know, having to kind of process all of those things, but not letting them completely get to me because I would go bankrupt if I just said, oh, well, it didn't work. I guess my business is, is done. It's like, no, well, we have to find ways to grow. How are we going to do that? Mm -hmm. If we were to do these same things again, how would we do them differently? Um, and let's try different strategies, different techniques, you know, because you have to, you just like, what's, if you want to succeed, you have to move forward and to like sit and dwell in those emotions without, you know, feeling them and processing them first, like would have been no help. So um, I'm patting myself on the back for processing those. <laughs> yeah. And I think that you also, like you touched on so many valid points. I hope 
everyone like like listened along and, and like pulled it out like first you did something like even going in with the blind trust I think that that's something mm-hmm. we're told we have to do to be successful like you can't ask questions you can't be doubtful uh, but there's a very big difference between having discernment and having and asking those questions and saying hey yeah. I actually I have these doubts that doesn't make me a yeah. failure. That doesn't make me a bad person. That doesn't mean that X, Y, and Z that we're taught, like, especially in certain industries, like you got to go in full trust, you got to pay in full. And if you doubt, you're going <laughs> to suck. It's like, no, <laughs> like I have doubts. I have questions. I want to know um, what results you're guaranteeing to me. When are we going to meet up again? And like, knowing that like no matter what happens i will have my own back but i also get to ask those questions and like knowing that hey next time i'm going to ask those questions and i'm not going to just like dive in deep and i've done that before too <laughs> so i just want to say i did that recently too and i was like not really it only lasted like three months but by the third month i was like okay um i'm not willing to continue down this road of investment without any guaranteed results but i had a really hard time saying that and I'm like, yeah, like my husband wouldn't have a hard time. He'd be like, where's the results? You ain't got results, you're fired. <laughs> kind of thing. But I'm like, why do, I, why do I feel this thing? And I think that part of that, I don't think I know part of that is my programming is the way I'm conditioned to, um, to think within the business. So unpacking it yeah. is, is helpful. Yeah, definitely. And that's the thing with like the blind trust too. It's like, I knew that like, so with, with Google ads, for instance, it was like the first time that we were ever running them. And we, I mean, we, we were running them for ourselves, I should say, because like we do it for our clients now, um, now that we've learned our lesson and we know exactly what to do. (laughs) Um, but it's also different. Like when you're doing it for like a a CPG brand or an e-commerce brand, um, versus a service. And so like what we had kind of learned in the process is that we were too broad in the way that we were marketing and putting these ads out as opposed to being super specific on like one of the services, right? Because when people are going online, they're not searching for like an agency that does everything. They're searching for branding or they're searching for a website or they're searching for social media. And so to be able to kind of like target more specifically like that would have been much more effective. I know this now after having done my research and after seeing what didn't work, but I also just trusted that, you know, it took some time in the beginning to to warm things up because I know that it takes time to find the proper keywords and for the ads to warm up. And when like, more and more time went by, I was like, wait, but like, it's still not working. What's going on? And, you know, I had hired them to do other things too. And like, there were some red flags in the beginning. And I think I was just like, so eager to like, take the next step. And so trusting that it would work that I was like, whatever, it's a hiccup, let's move on. And I wasn't really listening to my initial gut. Because honestly, like I was a little split at first. I was like, yes, this is the right move. And then I had some conversations and they were like, mm, I don't know if that's like the right fit for your industry. So then I started to like freak out a little bit. And I was like, wait, maybe this is not the right choice because it is so much money, like whatever. But I was so kind of like almost out of desperation, took the move. Cause I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. Let's just do it. Mm-hmm. And it kind of backfired. So it was a good lesson for me to also remember to do more research, be more attentive, technically but also like from an emotional level like if something doesn't feel right it's like yeah you want to grow you want this so bad so like you're almost like willing to sacrifice whatever to get there but it's like I feel like sometimes you need to have calculated risks as opposed to just complete blind risks and that's what I pulled from that situation yeah and and you also touched upon your intuition your gut response I think that's Mm -hmm. so undervalued we you know there's like the calculated risks are a thing um, the blind trust is a thing. And then your instincts 
are so important. And that's another thing that when the more you raise your emotional intelligence, the more um, and like the word emotional intelligence, sometimes I find it annoying. The more you make it, um, you're at ease with in tune with your beingness and who you are and your response mechanisms. It's like the more you are able to also like feel things like from a distance, like that's that's not going to get me where I want to go. And I don't need that much evidence. Like I had a conversation, it showed me. And so I can let it go and have that maybe more uncomfortable conversation and ask those more uncomfortable questions to let it go. So I think that that's also a mm -hmm. thing that um, just trusting your instincts as well. is a big thing. I have, uh, I have a friend who's also an entrepreneur and she does a lot of uh, somatic work herself. Um, and one of the things that she had recently shared with me, which I would like love to do, I haven't actually done this myself, but she sat down and was basically thinking of things that were like the answers would be absolute yeses versus absolute noes. And kind of just like sitting there with your eyes closed and seeing how your body reacts to yeses mm -hmm. and noes and learning what that feeling is inside of your body. So it's almost like getting to like feel and understand your intuition on a different level on like a physical level so that when something does come up and you're confused and unsure about what's going on, if you have this ability to decipher what a yes and what a no feels in your body, you have almost like this magical advantage over a situation because you're, it's your, it's like your gut that you're feeling as reacting, you know? which I thought was really cool. So I'd love to kind of do that exercise with someone one day. <laughs> I guess I could kind of do it myself, but I don't know. It'd be nice to be led by someone, I guess. You can do that on a daily basis. Like for anyone yeah. listening, like exactly what you said, just take a breath and learn to make your decisions based on your instinct and your body. You mm -hmm. could start on a very small scale. Yeah. Like just basic decisions where it's, there's not that much drama attached to it. Like, do I go to the coffee shop? Do I not go to the coffee yeah, yeah. shop? <laughs> Sounds so basic and so small, but if you just take a moment and get in tune and, and start making those decisions and like, is it, uh, what's her name? Uh, Mel Robbins, five, four, three, two, one, five, four, three, yeah. two, one. Yes or no. <laughs> and that's it. And I go with that. <laughs> that's cool. That's a good, uh, that's a good technique. Do you have any other like self-care practices or rituals that you do to, to help with all of this? Yes. I journal every night. So I actually have a journal, um, shamelessly plugging it in here called Step Into the Chrysalis. A lot of the things I talked about, you go through that process in the journal. Uh, but at nice. the end of the night, every night, I have a section where seen, heard, love. So I write down every, I dump, basically dump out my thoughts. I take a moment to breathe. Um, I revisit the day if there's something that didn't go my way or something that really felt like not good or off. I take a moment and I revisit it. I imagine it. How would I have wanted it to go? What would I have wanted to happen? How would I have wanted to respond? And I write what I'm proud of. Like, what am I proud of today? What am I grateful for to, to this day? And that practice at the end of the night is uh, like five, 10 minutes that changed, like it changes your life. Like it changed my life anyways. Mm -hmm. I'm like, ah, like it kind of like ties you know, I used to go to bed always exhausted. And I, I think I wore like a badge of honor. I'm exhausted. Today mm. took it all out of me. And now it's like, right. I go to bed satisfied, complete. And I sleep like a baby because whatever bothered me, it's there. I finished the day being proud. I know how I want to show up the next day. And that's a practice that anyone can do. It's five, 10 minutes and it'll change your life. 
Yeah, it makes a big difference just like adjusting your mindset. And sometimes it's as simple as literally like writing those things down, getting them out and reminding yourself of like the good things and the things that you're grateful of, because I feel like we don't do that enough. And if it's not in your practice, it's so easy to like skip by it and not pay attention to those little things. And, you know, I can get, I can be guilty of that. It's like, sometimes you're just go, 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 go. And then you kind of forget to sit back and like, be like, wait, look at, look at all the things that I've done. Look at how amazing this day was. Look at all the people that I got to interact with. Look at how far I've come, you know? And it's Mm -hmm. like, we don't think to do that so often, but by having even this small daily practice, it's like the wins are all in the little things. At the end of the day, our life is full of these micro interactions and eventually these micros result in this macro result. And so being able to kind of touch back in with yourself at the end of the day, I think is great. I'm a morning person. I usually do it in the mornings, but um, I know a lot of people who do it at night too, because it's almost like you, anything that's bothering you kind of like let it out, you know? Yeah, I do both. Yeah. Like, maybe I'm a nut. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, think that, I think in the morning I do it naturally as part of like my scheduling of my day, but I just found like, I maybe it's because I used to not have a night routine mm-hmm. and I used to go to bed. Like at the end of the day, I would always consistently not feel that good. I would feel anxious. I would feel a little depressed by the end of the day. And I was like, what can I do to change that? So probably being biased here and being like, hey, now I have a great night routine and that's what I do. <laughs> Yeah. And it, and it can change it. too. Like, yeah. I feel like it kind of changes too, depending on the season, if you will, season of your life. Yeah. Um, okay. So before we wrap up the podcast, I always like to end with what I call the mindful minute. So one piece of advice or something that you would want to share with others that you've learned from your journey so far. Devote yourself to loving yourself every single day and it will change your life. Just every day, what could I do to love myself through this? And it will absolutely change your life. And it's not like a once in a while thing every single day. I love that. We talked a lot about self-love today. So I hope that anyone listening is feeling that and, you know, gets to turn inwards and really remind themselves how much they love themselves because we all should. So I hope this was a nice reminder for everybody. Atena, let everybody know where they can find you online. And if you have any resources, programs or initiatives going on, I'm sure everyone listening would love to know about them. Um, Yes. So one of the easiest ways to find me is on Instagram is I am Atena Morelli. Um, On there, you'll have a link for also my YouTube channel. There's a lot of nice guided meditations. Um, I have a really great Board cutting meditation that allows you to release toxic um, energies and people and entanglement. Mm-hmm. So it's free. Um, and I have a really great journal. I don't have any, I have one program now, but it's closed, but the wait list is starting. So if anyone's interested in learning about the energies of men, money, and manifestation, let me know. Um, and that's it for now. Yeah, you can find me mostly on those two platforms, YouTube and Instagram. Love that. Everything will be linked out. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was so great chatting. Everybody listening, thank you. And I'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you're feeling generous, a review would be much appreciated. This podcast is brought to you by Nomad Creative. Visit nomadcreative.com for all of your marketing, branding, and social media needs.